Hey everyone, welcome back to Press Play, a podcast brought to you by the Stony Brook Press Magazine, which is the campus culture and music magazine here at Stony Brook University. My name is Lauren Canavan. I'm a music editor here at the Press and also co-host of this podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Press Play. My name is Rafael Cruvinel. I am the business manager of the Press, a fellow music editor to Lauren, and I'm also a co-host to this episode. Today we are being joined by the associate editor of the magazine who has her own podcast in the magazine and today's here as a guest. Hi, I'm Sammy. So today we're going to do a songwriter spotlight episode. So we're going to be focusing on three amazing songwriters that you may or may not know, but that are responsible for many of the hits that have been streamed in your house, blasted in your cars, essentially like people that are part of our routine because they write the songs that we love. And we thought it would be a good idea to give these people a bigger spotlight, an episode of their own. So um, it's funny because I feel like we always, um, when we're talking about music, we always focus a lot on the artists, on the people who are singing the songs, but we often forget about the people who wrote it. And we need to remember that not always the people the people who sing it were the people who wrote it. And I think like at the Grammys, a good um, example of how like those two sort of like contributions to the song are different. I feel like it's really important to highlight, for example, in the Grammys, that there are two different awards for this. So when when you were watching the Grammys, you probably know that the top four categories for the award are Album of the Year, Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. And the difference between Song of the Year and Record of the Year is that Record of the Year is an award for everyone who is involved in making the song. So the artist who sings it, the producers, everyone. While Song of the Year is an award that is awarded only to the songwriters of the song. So basically, or to the writers of the song. So essentially, like... The writers play a huge role in bringing music to our ears, and today we thought it would be a good idea to give them the space and the spotlight. I definitely agree with that, Raphael, and I think that something that I noticed when I was doing some research prior to this episode was that a lot of people don't exactly know where to go and where to find these credits for these songwriters. Uh, Luckily, now we have on streaming Uh, services such as Apple Music and Spotify, there's actually a button if you go, you know, just below buttons that say like add to my playlist or um, bring me to the album. There's like an area that says song credits. And that was something that I was definitely frequenting throughout my research experience. And something that I thought was crazy is that Spotify, because that's my personal preference, Spotify has song credits for all of the songwriters, but only some of these songwriters actually have a bio affiliated with them. So there's like a little arrow that you can click and it brings you to a link and it shows you essentially their discography of the songs that they've written. And it just kind of wowed me because I wish that I could you know, read every single bio and learn about every single one of these songwriters' stories because I guess, you know, maybe until you write a certain amount of songs or write a certain amount of quote-unquote popular songs, that's when you hit the point of, um, you know, quote-unquote fame where you would get that bio. But it just puts into perspective how many people are out there and how many creative minds are out there um, making their livelihood, writing songs for, you know, the faces of, of the music industry 
And something that I realized too, when, you know, we'll get into who we chose to speak about today in just a minute, but you know, it crosses, these songwriters cross record labels. It's not like they sign up with one record label. I'm sure some of them have preferences, but my songwriter in particular, she's all over the place. She's at one record for one artist and at another record label for another artist. So it's really just amazing. And and I think that this episode is going to be really informative. And I think that it's also going to pleasantly surprise people um, how sometimes just one songwriter is responsible for so many hits the same way that, you know, these artists and these bands that are the face of the music industry are also at times the, you know, the faces of multiple hits. Yeah. And I think something that you said um, is even like, subjects to like a deeper discussion and maybe something that we could bring to another episode potentially but just how like you know like a lot of the times it's hard to find the credit because songwriting seems to not be something that is really valued in the music industry and um you know there are different types of talents out there so some people are going to know how to sing some people are going to know how to produce a song some people are going to know how to do the audio engineering but there are the people who know how to write and that's a talent and it's sometimes it can be interpreted as like frustrating um, when we see that these people don't get as much credits as the people who are singing the song. But Lauren, since you mentioned you're a songwriter, why don't we start with you? Who did you bring to the table today? The person that I wanted to speak about today is a songwriter named Jennifer DeSilvio. Hate to say that I want you, but I do. She's actually from New Jersey, so not too far away. Um, I wanted to speak a little bit about, first, some of the awards that she's been nominated for. Um, She's been nominated for a Brit Award, a Mercury Prize Award, um, not only for her songwriting, but also for her producing and also for adding some instrumentation to some of these songs. So she's certainly multifaceted. And I think, again, going back to my research, I found that a lot of these songwriters are also credited as producers on these pieces. So I think that that's really interesting as well. Um, So perhaps, you know, one of her most known pieces of work is that she actually produced um, and co-wrote Rise Up, which is a really, really popular song by the artist Andre Day. Um, It went, it blew up really big. It was on... um, I believe holiday commercials and just commercials in general. And uh, the two of them, the pair for co-writing that song actually won um, a BT Soul Train Award in 2016. Uh, so that's a huge honor. And some other artists that she's um, worked with include Miley Cyrus. Uh, she's worked on the song High by Miley Cyrus. She's also worked on a couple of songs by Royal the Serpent, but one that I do suggest listening to is a song called Love Abuser, um, in parentheses, Save Me. Um, that song I actually heard live. They open Royal the Serpent opened for Demi Lovato, who happens to be another artist that um, DeSilvio has worked with. Uh, and I saw them at the Beacon Theater, and I didn't know Royal the Serpent all that well, but there was just so much power behind this song, and I just remember it sticking in my head. It's currently in my liked songs on Spotify, 
And um, I just thought that was kind of crazy that it turns out that De Silvio um, helped write on that song. Um, another song is kind of like a mini shout out. We actually recently, Raphael and I went into the city, I think it was in October, um, to see an up and coming artist, Ella Jane. Uh, and one of her, by far, I think one of her most popular songs of the few that she has out right now is a song called Party Trick. Um, super relatable song about just kind of getting, you know, lost in love and, and just wrapped up in a good time. And um, once again, the Silvio is also credited on that song. Um, she's also credited on some songs by the band Lucius. Um, one song in particular is called Dance Around It. Um, going back to Demi Lovato, as I said earlier, she actually is credited on the song I Love Me by Demi Lovato. That was a huge song for Demi in that time of uh, her life. And I remember, wa once again, like watching the music video to that, you know, you see this song come to life in so many other ways. And I think it's so much easier to, you know, be it's just easier to appreciate when you get a visual, like when you see your artist performing and pouring their heart out, or you see this artist um, perform it in a music video, at least you can sit back and say to yourself, like, wow, whoever choreographed or whoever designed this music video did a really great job. But certainly, I mean, honestly, up until I have did this research for the podcast, um, oh, like who wrote this song? That that's, was never really the first thing that came to my mind. It was more so the visual. And I think that, not to get like dramatic, but I think in life in general, we get caught up a lot in the visual and not what is behind it. Um, and so I think this episode is like, has helped me learn to like open my eyes to the, the many components that go into a song. And I hope it will do the same for other people. Um, another person that DeSilvio has worked with is Ben Platt. Um, ben Platt was an actor in Pitch Perfect and later, um, went on to become a Broadway star. He actually originated the role of Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Uh, he has a beautiful voice, and I really, really love his album called Sing to Me Instead. And, you know, him and DeSilvio must have worked really good with each other, really well with each other, because pretty much all of the songs on his album have her name on them as well. Again, once you go into the song credits. Um, so those songs include Bad Habit, Love That Song, Ease My Mind, Temporary Love is another one of my favorites on the album, Share Your Address, Honest Man. Uh, so these are all songs on his album that she was also credited on. She, she was also credited on uh, the song uh, by Anne-Marie called Ciao Adios. That song uh, charted some, um, was high on the charts at a certain point. I think it was around, had to be between, I think, 2016 and 2018. And then she's also credited on a song by Machine Gun Kelly called Merry Go Round. So out of all these A-listers that I've just mentioned, she's also worked with a ton of other people too. This, you know, this list goes on and on, but I'm not going to keep <laughs> listing out names. Um, but a last thing that I did want to mention about her is she also has been Grammy nominated twice, um, nominated twice and won once. So she was nominated with Andre Day back in 2016 for Best R&B Performance um, and then Best R&B Album. So once again, she was the co-writer of Rise Up, which was a huge song for Andre Day. And um, that album was called Cheers to Fall. And in 2022, so just a little while ago, she was actually a winner of her first Grammy. Um, this was on an album 
it was, the category was global music album with an artist named Angelique Kijo. Um, the album was called Mother Nature. And personally, I'll admit, I haven't really heard of that album. So that's definitely something I want to go look into and listen to with fresh ears. Uh, I kind of like, I'm always someone who watches all of the um, music award shows and, and the first songs that I'm listening to the next day are the artists or the songs that I hadn't heard of before. So that's certainly one of the first things on my list uh, once we finish recording this podcast today. But that's a little bit about Jennifer DeSilvio. Definitely a multifaceted talent. And um, once again, right here, uh, from right around here in Jersey. And she certainly worked with a lot of people that are are and continue to be the face of music. And I, I look forward to now not only following these artists' journey, but you know her journey as well. First of all, I love the song Hi by Miley Cyrus. So do I. <laughs> yes, it's a really good song. That song is on her Plastic Hearts album. And um, about Ella Jane, I agree. Ella Jane is like an amazing rising star. And Party Trick is a really good song. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, and I know it's because um, before we started recording this, I know that it, I heard you commenting on it, but can you spell her name? Her last name so that people who are at home listening to this can go look her up because I know that her last name is spelled a little bit different from what you would imagine. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's pronounced um, De Silvio, but it's spelled D-E-C-I-L-V-E-O. So her Instagram account is her, her name. So you could just look her up. Um, but it pronounced De Silvio, spelled a little bit differently, but definitely be sure to check her out on socials. And, you know, I encourage you to follow her journey. What did you think of that, Sammy? Did you like that resume? Because I honestly <laughs> wish I had that resume. I know. It's really impressive to see how many songs that we listen to so often are not written by the people that we associate them with. And we were kind of talking about this earlier, but, like, we think of the artist as the person, like, of the song like it's the the connection that we have to the song is the artist who sings it but maybe we would relate more to the songwriters experiences you know like it's interesting to think about that um and that's why I'm excited that we're kind of delving into the people who are more behind the scenes but have such an essential role in the way the music industry functions and the way we're able to enjoy and consume music yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And something that I noticed, too, um, was when I was on Spotify going under the song credits, some songs and some albums and different, you know, bodies of work that I was looking at, they have like six songwriters that are credited. So I would love to just be a fly on the wall and listen to like how a songwriting session gets bounced between six people. And then somehow, you know, six names end up on the on the list. I mean, especially, I mean, rise up Andre day is still listed on that, but obviously she had outside help and this outside help ended up, you know, being recognized as they should have been for various awards and nominations. Um, but I just think that's really interesting too. I think it would be so fun to just sit in on like a songwriting session and, you know, um, see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these songs, like they, um, go back and forth between songwriters and artists like I don't think um obviously they don't all they don't all sit 
together in one night and make the song that's like some songs are made like that but i also feel like there are the songs that like go to one person here and then one person there and another person in a third place and together these people like write the song and make the song now i'm gonna jump into a little bit the person that i brought which curiously is also from new jersey so interesting yeah so <laughs> today i'm talking about Nija Charles. She, as I said, was born in New Jersey and she's also 25 years old. She started her song, well, she started her official songwriting career career in 2017 when she signed a rec, uh, when she signed a deal with Universal Music Publishing Group. But essentially, she started her career before that in 2016, I would say, when she enrolled in New York University in the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. And she so far wrote music, wrote songs or helped to write songs for artists like Beyonce, like Jay-Z, like Cardi B, SZA, Lady Gaga, Ariana Grande, and Jason Derulo. She was also placed on the Black Entertainment Television's 2020 Future 40 list, which basically is a list that like um, awards people who are like inspiring, young people who are inspiring, innovative, and in this case that are black. And she was on that list. And she was also in Rolling Stone's Future 25 list in October of 2020. This year, in the 2023 Grammy Awards, she was nominated for the first ever Songwriter of the Year Award. And she didn't win that category, but she was there. She was nominated. And that's a big deal. So I thought that I would bring some of the songs that she wrote here. She wrote I Do, which is a song by Cardi B featuring Siza. She wrote Make It Hot by Anita and Ma Major Lee's. She also wrote My Power by Beyonce. And actually, she's featured as an artist in My Power. So if you go on Spotify and look up My Power by Beyonce, it's going to be like Beyonce and then a bunch of names that are like featured in the song. And Nija is one of those people. And she wrote Rain On Me by Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande and Positions by Ariana Grande. These last two are number one hits in bu on Billboard. So very, very big deal. She's everywhere. Wow. Did I hear you mention that this was the first year that the Grammys inst instated a Songwriter of the Year category? I or think is it fairly new? Um, I think I, I, what I said is that this was her, f her first ever oh, her nomination first to okay. the, to that award. I'm not sure if this was the first year that the Grammys had this award. I can check this information really quickly right here. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What were you going to say about that? No, I was just going to talk about how I think that that's a really important category. And like, I think that, you know, the Grammys breaks down and, and for that matter, any music award show breaks down the, the the categories in in many different ways because music is so multifaceted but I really think that like songwriting is so multifaceted too like I'd be curious and like totally support if down the line the Grammys were to add some categories including like best verse or best chorus or something like that like something that's stuck in people's heads and hearts and like really is what drove the song to the charts or, or something like that I think that there's a lot of room you know we're sent centering this episode around just like 
spotlighting and 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 highlighting this talent and i think that some of these award shows that have mainstream reach and global reach should really maybe think about adding adding some categories like that yeah so i checked it here really quickly and yes this was her first ever nomination but this was also the first time the award ever happened so the winner this year was Tobias Jessen Jr. Um, and um, yeah, essentially this was the first time that the Grammys had this award. And this is the name of the category is um, Songwriter of the Year Non-Classical. So that's the name of the category. And like, it's funny to me that they would have a producer of the year award, but they wouldn't have a songwriter, a songwriter of the year award. I guess maybe because they already had Song of the Year, which was essentially an award for songwriters. Um, maybe they didn't want to, like, create another one. However, now, there's always some sort of confusion with Song of the Year because people are always confused about um, the difference between Song of the Year and Record of the Year. Maybe now they're going to have, like, Song of the Year and Songwriter of the Year so that it's, like, very clear. And um, also, coming back to Nisha a little bit very quickly, like, I remember that last spring so this is almost a year ago i had the opportunity to attend the press conference that she was giving and she was so sweet and so polite and so humble it really really made me want to get into like um knowing her stuff more and that's why when lauren suggested that we did the spotlights for songwriters episodes that's that was she was the first person that came to my mind because she really like I really remembered her because I I was like, how is it possible that someone has achieved so much, accomplished so much at such a young age and they're so humble? So an interesting fact about her and that I wanted to bring here is that she's known um, for her songwriting, but she's also like um, a singer. She also sings. And she released last year, which was why I attended the press conference, her first ever project called Don't Say I Didn't Warn You. This was released by Capitol Records and under the label of Capitol Records. And she has some other songs as well that were not in that project. But essentially, I feel like I would just say that because that's like a major compilation of a lot of her work that she wrote and sung. And I don't know, I just I just think of these like I am a very huge pop fan. I think everyone who knows me knows that. And um, I remember the day that positions came out and Um, I really never thought that one day I would be able to sit in a press conference with the songwriter of that song because it was such a huge thing. And also I remember like just listening to Rain On Me on repeat. And it's just so crazy to think that, um, you know, like there were people who contributed to these songs, people who really made a favor, at least for me, because I love the songs. (laughs) So they made a favor for me. And that we just don't acknowledge, you know, because um, it's not, I guess, like, obviously, like, there is, like, industry reasons why that is. But it's just so crazy to think about that. And, you know, like, maybe, like, there's a person that, maybe you don't even know, but maybe, like, there is a pattern, like all the songs that you like happen to be written like by similar songwriters. And like sometimes you've been listening, you've been following, you've been indirectly following someone's entire career without knowing. So that's something that I really like. It blows my mind to think about that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely encourage people to do further exploring after this episode because I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of exploring to do. You can see if your listening patterns match a pattern of 
you know, the minds that are behind the lyrics of these songs. Um, I was going to ask you what your favorites are based on, you know, the discography that you gave us, but I think you made that pretty clear that um, <laughs> you really love Positions and Rain on Me, and, and so do I. They're both really great. You know, the first things that come to my mind when I think of those songs are just like dance songs, just like uplifting, self-confidence songs. So if, if for whatever reason you don't know these two songs, be sure to look them up. That was Positions by Ariana Grande and also Rain on Me by Lady Gaga featuring Ariana Grande, yes, right? Yes, And, I mean, I said Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga, but, I mean, I love Anita, too. I I like Beyonce. So, essentially, like, I feel like this is also a good, a good reason why I chose um, Nija. I just feel like she's, she's, like, writing for the artists that I like. So, that was, like you know, like something that motivated me to get to know her better. But speaking about writing for the artists that we like, Sammy, I know that you have um, a songwriter that if you're a music fan, especially if you're a pop music fan, you might already know him. But I feel like for the amount of hits that this person wrote, he's not, um, he's definitely, he doesn't receive the credit that he deserves. And um, who, who do you have to talk about today? Yeah, so um, I wanted to kind of spotlight uh, the Swedish uh, record producer and songwriter Max Martin. And he's been in the industry for decades. And I think... Um, there are so many songs that we know and love that are by like him that he's credited for and we just don't know that. Um, so he actually has the third most number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, which wow. is actually 25 Billboard Hot 100 number one singles, That's which is crazy. just a crazy amount. Um, and he doesn't sing. Yeah. Like he doesn't sing. He's, He's not a all. singer in any of them. Yes. He's always a writer and a producer. Exactly. Like he's he's kind of more behind the scenes, which I think it's so impressive to see the like the amount of songs that are just so popular by him. Um and he's worked with artists like Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, The Weeknd, Pink, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, uh, Kelly Clarkson. So a lot of just, and that's just some of them. Yeah. Um, And some of the songs that he's co-written and written um, are Baby One More Time by Britney Spears, which that's is one a of, big like, one. It's huge. Like, it, yeah. even yeah. that alone, like, that. that's I big. I wasn't alive, but everyone who was say that Britney Spears debut was, like, was something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like a cultural reset, really. Yeah, exactly, um, essentially. And I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry, another, like, total, like, cultural moment yeah, in music. 100%. Um, even some more recent stuff, many recent things, but um, something I noted was To Be Loved, Am I Ready by Lizzo, which I know is a favorite of Raphael's. <laughs> um, I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys, songs that we know, we hear all the time. I'm sure most of us could sing Right. Like the words to all those songs. Right. And maybe we don't know who's really behind them. I didn't know who Max Martin was before doing my research. Right. Um, and he actually, he's been nominated for, and this is just for Grammys, but he's been nominated for 21 Grammys and he's won five. Mm. So that's like a really 
really incredible amount. Five and at least two album of the years because I know that he won album of the year for 1989 okay. by Taylor Swift Taylor. and he also won album of the year by 25 uh, 425 by Adele. Okay. Nice. So from the five, at least two are album of the like year. Like major, major categories. Yes. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. Um, and there are a few of his like number one hit songs um, are Teenage Dream, So What by Pink, Teenage Dreams by Katy Perry, um, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, Blank Space by Taylor Swift, I Can't Feel My Face by, or Can't Feel My Face, I'm sorry, <laughs> by The Weeknd. Um, and like I said, those are just some of like the ones that stood out to me. But according to, I was doing some reading, and there was like a 2012 NPR article called Katy Perry's Perfect Game, Planet Money. And at the time of the release of Katy Perry's California Girls, um, Martin was charging $100,000 per song. Wow. Which is incredible. Like, And if to that's think about what he that. was charging then, I can't then, imagine what's happening now. Yeah, in 2012, that was like the info that I could find like, about yeah. how much he would make based on I, that. Because I think there's just such an influx now. And I don't want to say it's easier because I know nothing about being a recording artist, but mm-hmm. like with the emergence of, of, um, more and more social media, specifically TikTok. I mean, there are so many young artists being picked up on labels. I mean, look at how young Olivia Rodrigo is. There yeah. are a million Olivia Rodrigos, and, you know, I, I can't really think off the top of my head a young boy right now, but the first young boy that comes to my mind is, like, Justin Bieber, but mm-hmm. even that was a while back, um, that are out there now probably clamoring for a spot in the music industry. So, like, there's probably just so such an influx of quote-unquote clients for these writers too so i'd imagine that you know the the price is pretty hefty for all of them yeah which is kind of another crazy thing to think about it is yeah so um you know what it's funny i i love to be loved am i ready um that's that's the song that i chose to write about in the songs (laughs) of the summer collection that the press does every single year and um I didn't know that Max Martin yeah. participated in that <laughs> song. So look, like even when you're like, you can't escape him. You can't escape him. If you're a pop fan, you can't escape him because he's everywhere. And you know, like, um, he had a huge participation in Lizzo's last album, in the special mm. album. And I don't know. I just feel like it's 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 astonishing, honestly, um, because that person essentially helped to shape the entire music industry of the 2000s and of the 2010s. Right. And um, another song that Max Martin participated is Blinding Lights by The Mm -hmm. Weeknd, which is like a huge hit. That one was like broke so many records and wasn't Grammy nominated as we all know, but broke <laughs> so many records and was just so, so massive. And like, he was a part of it. So it seems like every single cultural reset or in the pop, in pop music, he was involved in it somehow. And yeah. um, obviously like, I'm not necessarily trying to say here that he's better than everyone else. I'm just saying like showcasing and spotlighting how much, um, he has contributed to this genre and to this industry. Definitely. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think that, as Raphael just said, like, he just learned something. And, you know, there's three people in this room recording this podcast, and we only spotlighted or highlighted three songwriters. So, once again, like, we hope if you get anything out of this episode, it's that you were pleasantly surprised by some of the songwriters behind your favorite hits but we also implore you to to go ahead and do some more exploring and the first place you can do that is going on spotify going on your preferred streaming service and um you know going under song credits and being like wow i've never heard this name let me let me think about this let me see what songs they're on and stuff like that it really is like almost like a cool little game at least that's what it felt like to me as a music lover so we really hope that you took something and learned something uh, from this episode and we hope you join us next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to us tonight. Um, or I'm saying tonight because we're <laughs> recording this at night. But thank you for, for listening to us um, whatever time you're listening to this to. And we hope to see you on the next episode. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you, Sammy, <laughs> for coming on. And uh, Sammy is, like, very polite, so she didn't um, market her own podcast here, but <laughs> I'm going to do it for her. So Sammy, <laughs> who you. is the associate editor for the press, and Antonio, who is a features editor, both of them have a um, gender podcast mm-hmm. at the press. Do you want to speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, we're... Um, we're in the process of putting out our first episode of our podcast called Unlabeled, which is kind of um, focusing on different gender issues, different issues that we see, um, like social issues. So yeah, we're super excited that that's kind of being like launched. So yeah, look out for the first episode release soon. Yeah, but actually by the time that this episode comes out, probably... Yes. Um, um, the first episode of the gender podcast of Unlabeled has already come out. Yay. And um, also make sure to check our new issue that just came out. Um, we have some wonderful pieces in there. And um, if you're a student at Stony Brook, remember that our meetings happen every Wednesday. The GBM happens on at 1 p.m. and the editor's meeting happen at 7.30 p.m. on SAC-307K. So make sure to join us, and maybe one day you can be here, too. (laughs) For sure. And just a quick reminder, really, really, really quick, is that we not only have physical copies of our magazine that circulate across campus and hopefully make it beyond the walls of our campus, uh, but we also have online. So be sure to check us out online. And thank you again for tuning in. Thank you.